Welcome to Chromodiversity, a podcast for clinicians, therapists, and families about common genetic diversity. You're listening to Season 2, dedicated to the topic of growing up with chromodiversity. The first half of this season features important new research on the single biggest and often underappreciated concern of parents, early age, social, emotional, and learning development differences of children with common chromosomal variations that are linked to higher rates of dyslexia, ADHD, and autism. The second half features lived experience, including eye-opening conversations with a handful of remarkable individuals who've agreed to share their own personal stories about growing up with chromodiversity, some for the very first time. Hi, I'm Elliot Pollack, founder of my XXY Chromodiversity Foundation, and I'll be your host. In today's episode, you'll hear the first international study that shows signs of ADHD can be detected in one out of four children with an extra X or Y chromosome already from the age of one year old onwards. Specifically, an extra 47th X predicts greater likelihood of inattentiveness than average, and an extra Y chromosome increases the likelihood both of inattentiveness as well as hyperactivity impulsivity. Also, unlike in other children with early age signs of ADHD, these signs tend to become more pronounced over time from the age of 1 to 6. This matters because it means that prenatal and at-birth detection of an extra X or Y chromosome is predictive of specific potential social, emotional, and educational challenges and strengths even before they appear. In turn, this may allow for much earlier recognition and intervention with potentially life-changing consequences. As a result, the authors call for clinicians to perform early assessment of strengths, weaknesses, and needs already in toddlerhood, as well as support for parents with frequent follow-ups. It's worth noting that the work you're about to hear focuses only on deficits associated to ADHD in keeping with DSM-5 medical definitions that characterize ADHD as a disorder defined by impairments. It does not address an increasingly widespread view put forward by neurodiversity advocates, for example, of ADHD as difference rather than deficit, coming not only with vulnerabilities, but also valuable predisposition to strengths such as problem solving, creativity, and experiential learning by doing. For balance, you may wish to also listen to the work featured in Season 1, Episode 2, conducted by some of the same researchers as this paper, but focused exclusively on above-average positive strengths of extra X and Y children, and the importance of confidence-building educational strategies that put strengths first. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and keep an open mind as you listen to Early Developmental Impact of Sex Chromosome Trisomies on Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder Symptomology in Young Children by Cooper et al. published in American Journal of Medical Genetics 2021. Early Developmental Impact of Sex Chromosome Trisomies on Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder Symptomology in Young Children. Abstract. Individuals with sex chromosome trisomies, SCT, XXX, XXY, and XYY, are at increased risk for neurodevelopmental problems given that a significant portion of the sex chromosome genes impact brain functioning. An elevated risk for psychopathology has also been described, including attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. The present study aimed at identifying early markers of ADHD, providing the first investigation of ADHD symptomology in very young children with SCT. The variety, type, and severity of ADHD symptomology in one to six-year-old children with SCT, N equals 104, were compared with population-based controls, N equals 101, using the strengths and weaknesses of ADHD symptoms and normal behavior, SWAN, parent-reported questionnaire. 
ADHD symptomology was significantly more prevalent in SCT and already present from toddlerhood on compared to controls. ADHD inattention symptoms were significantly increased in all karyotypes XXX, XXY, and XYY. Boys with XYY also showed significantly more hyperactivity impulsivity symptoms than controls. Inattentiveness was more pronounced with increasing age for SCT, in contrast to controls. Within the SCT group, 24% of the children had significantly elevated ADHD symptoms at a clinical level. Already from an early age on, SCT is associated with a risk for ADHD, suggesting that its neurodevelopmental risk lies anchored in early brain maturation. Studying this genetically vulnerable population allows for the prospective study of risk markers to facilitate early and preventative interventions. 1. Introduction Sex chromosome trisomies, SCT, are among the most common chromosomal aneuploidies in humans, with an estimated prevalence around 1 in 650 to 1,000 live births. Karyotypes that result from SCT are 47XXY, Kleinfelter syndrome, and 47XYY, XYY syndrome, in males, and 47XXX, trisomy X syndrome, in females. Many individuals with SCT experience a significant delay in diagnosis, or even non-diagnosis, throughout life. Estimates of diagnosis for all three trisomies range from 12% to 25%. Clinically, SCT is characterized by mild, variable, and mostly nonspecific physical features, including minimal facial dysmorphisms, tall stature, and abnormal muscle tone, hypotonia. The clinical presentation of SCT is considered to be diverse and heterogeneity in behavioral and cognitive outcomes is rather rule than exception. While knowledge of the somatic phenotype of SCT is amply available, more research on specific domains of the neurocognitive and neurobehavioral profile is needed. This is especially important considering that a significant fraction of genes on the X chromosome have been linked to brain functioning and X-chromosome genes are nearly six times more likely to be involved in cognitive performance than genes on the autosomes. Interestingly, neuroimaging studies in individuals with SCT have shown that the X and Y chromosomes impact brain circuits involved in self-regulation, which refers to regulation of thoughts, emotions, attention, behavior, and impulses in order to meet goals and adequately respond to the environment. Such self-regulatory skills are of great importance with regards to day-to-day -day functioning and quality of life, given that optimal self-regulation promotes positive adjustment and adaptation as reflected in positive relationships, productivity, achievement, and a positive sense of self. From a developmental perspective, studies have shown that self-regulation is associated with important long-term outcomes such as mental health, social competence, and academic achievement showing that self-regulation is a vital skill to be acquired in child development. Difficulty with self-regulation is in line with the types of symptoms of psychopathology that have been described in SCT, such as autism spectrum disorder, ASD, mood disorders, but especially attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder which is currently defined by a collection of persistent and impaired cognitive and behavioral systems, symptoms, notably inattention, hyperactivity, and impulsivity. Self-regulation is critical for individuals with ADHD who are challenged in modulating their feelings, thoughts, and responses. With an overall prevalence of 7.2% of ADHD in the general population, Significantly elevated clinical levels of ADHD symptoms are reported in SCT in several studies across all three karyotypes. Using dimensional measures across several studies, average estimates of clinical levels of ADHD symptoms are 35% for 47XXY, 49% for 47XXX, and 69% for 47XYY. When considering the DSM classification, 
on average 43% of 47XXY, 49% of 47XXX, and 36% of 47XYY meet full diagnostic criteria for ADHD. Although the presentation of ADHD-related symptoms is similarly variable between individuals with, H with SCT, inattentive symptoms are typically the most common in 47XXY and 47XXX, whereas 47XYY boys are likely to present hyperactivity impulsive symptoms as well. Previous studies on ADHD symptomology and SCT focused on populations with broad age ranges, including participants from middle childhood to adulthood. However, information on early development before the age of six years is extremely limited. This is unfortunate given that this period in child development is marked by significant advances in brain maturation in typically developing children, making it worthwhile to examine the developmental impact of brain maturation on behavior in a genetically at-risk population. Furthermore, because genetic conditions such as SCT can be identified very early in development, already prenatally before any clinical behavioral presentation, studying young children with SCT may help to understand the early developmental factors that co-determine neurobehavioral pathways. This will provide further insights in addition to what we have learned from studying children with psychopathology according to diagnostic criteria based on behavioral presentation. The present study was designed to investigate the developmental impact of SCT on regulation of thoughts, emotions, attention, behavior, and impulses as expressed in symptoms of ADHD. Rather than considering ADHD as an all or none phenomena, the present study was targeted at examining the variation in ADHD symptoms, which may provide a more sensitive measure of early regulation deficiencies in young children. Taken together, the aim of the present study was to evaluate the developmental impact of SCT on ADHD symptoms with regards to variety, type, and severity in an international sample of young children, one to six year old, compared to the population-based control sample. To our knowledge, the current study is the first to investigate the neurodevelopmental risks in terms of ADHD symptoms of young children with SCT during toddlerhood and the preschool period. Comparing age-related differences in a large sample of predominantly prenatally diagnosed SCT children with control peers could provide prospective insight into the early impact of SCT on self-regulation in the developing young brain. Furthermore, by identifying the recruitment strategy, our study also allowed for an empirical investigation of phenotypic differences within the SCT group. Due to advances in non-invasive prenatal testing technology, it is expected that the number of prenatal diagnoses of SCT will substantially increase over the coming years. Knowledge on the early development is therefore also greatly needed to guide genetic counseling and to improve clinical care. 2. Methods 2.1 Participants The current study is part of a larger international longitudinal study, the TRI-XY Early Childhood Study at Leiden University in the Netherlands, including research sites in the Netherlands and the United States of America, USA. The TRI-XY Early Childhood Study investigates the social, emotional, and behavioral development of young children with the trisomy of the X or Y chromosomes. For the current study, children aged 1, up to, and including 6 years at baseline were included. In total, 104 children with SCT with a mean age of 43.85 months and 101 population-based controls with a mean age of 43.30 months participated with their primary caregiver. Parental education of the primary caregiver assessed using the Hollingshead ratings of educational attainment showed that most of the primary caregivers had at least a post-high school degree or training. The SCT and CGs did not differ significantly with regards to age nor parental education. However, group differences existed with regards to gender distribution, i.e. as expected, 
the CG included significantly more girls than the SCT group. As for the timing of SCT diagnosis, 71 children, 68.3%, had a prenatal diagnosis, i.e. because of routine prenatal screening, abnormal ultrasound findings, or advanced maternal age, versus 33 children, 31.7%, with a postnatal diagnosis, i.e. because of developmental delay, physical and or growth problems, or medical concerns. More than half of children with XXY did not receive testosterone replacement therapy at any given time in their development. With regards to ADHD diagnosis in the family, parental reports showed that in the SCT group, 13 parents, 12.5%, and 7 siblings, 6.7%, had a diagnosis of ADHD. Children with SCT were recruited from two sites. First, the trisomy of the X and Y chromosomes, TriXY Center of Expertise at Leiden University in the Netherlands, N equals 46, that recruited children from all Dutch-speaking countries in Western Europe. And second, the Extraordinary Kids Clinic in Developmental Pediatrics at Children's Hospital Colorado in Denver, USA, N equals 58, that recruited children from across the USA. Recruitment of children with SCT took place with the help of clinical genetics departments, pediatricians, and national advocacy or support groups for parents of individuals with SCT with recruitment flyers and postings on the internet, e.g. TriXY website and the Extraordinary Kids Facebook page. For the SCT group, ascertainment bias was recorded and three subgroups were identified. A. Active prospective follow-up, 51.0% of the SCT group. B. Information-seeking parents, 29.8% of the SCT group. And C. Clinically referred cases, 19.2% of the SCT group. Control participants were recruited from elementary schools and daycare centers from the western parts part of the Netherlands. All participants were Dutch or English-speaking, child and parent, and without history of traumatic brain injury, severely impaired hearing or sight, or color blindness. For children in the SCT group, trisomy in at least 80% of the cells was confirmed by standard karyotyping. Researchers requested parents to present a copy of the karyotyping report of the child that was provided by their clinician at the time of diagnosis. Karyotyping of the child was done by clinical genetic departments based on the appropriate guidelines for chromosomal karyotyping. The controls were not subject to genetic screening due to ethical reasons. These children were considered a representation of the general population, and given the prevalence of SCT is approximately 1 in 1,000, the risk of having one or more children with undiagnosed SCT in the control group was considered minimal and acceptable. 2.2 Ethics and Procedure this study was approved by the Medical Research and Ethical Committee of Leiden University Medical Center in the Netherlands and the Colorado Multiple Institutional Review Board, COMIRB, in the USA. Researchers from Leiden University were responsible for project and data management, i.e. training and supervision of researchers, processing and scoring of data. Written informed consent was obtained from all parents, guardians, the primary caregiving parent, 92% mother of the child, completed the questionnaires, either in Dutch or in English, using the online survey software Qualtrics. 2.3 Instruments 2.3.1 ADHD Symptoms The Strengths and Weaknesses of ADHD Symptoms and Normal Behavior SWAN, were selected as a screening tool for ADHD symptomology. The SWAN is a parent report questionnaire designed to reflect the entire range of attention skills in both non-clinical as well as clinical populations. The SWAN rating scale provides a continuous distribution of both positive and negative evaluations of attention behaviors by using a seven-point scale anchored to average behavior, i.e. far below average equals three, below average equals two, somewhat below average equals one, average equals zero, somewhat below average equals minus one, 
above average equals minus 2, and far above average equals minus 3. The questionnaire consists of 18 items that reflect the 18 DSM-5 ADHD symptoms divided in two subscales of nine items corresponding to the domains of inattention, items 1 to 9, and hyperactivity impulsivity, items 10 to 18. Positive scores indicate parental report of experienced difficulty in attentional skill above average, whereas negative scores indicate better skills than average. 2.4 Statistical Analysis 2.4.1 Raw Scores For analysis, raw scores on the SWAN were used to compare SCT and CG children. Furthermore, to assess for clinical risk, a cutoff score was used. The cutoff scores for the SWAN subscales were calculated following guidelines of Swenson et al., the developers of the SWAN, by using the mean plus 1.65 SD in z-scores from the control sample as a cutoff. This method has been verified across studies with differential methodologies and proven useful in identifying the abnormal prevalence of ADHD symptoms in 4% of the population. In the current study, cutoff scores were 0.52 in attention subscale and 0.79 hyperactivity impulsivity subscale and resulted in either, quote, below or, quote, at risk category. Also, because the items on the SWAN contain the exact 18 DSM-5 diagnostic criteria for ADHD, participants could be categorized into one of the DSM ADHD subtypes. This was done by following the steps taken by Tartaglia et al., who used the predecessor of the SWAN in a similar sample. Participants were determined to meet criteria for ADHD if they were noted to have moderate to severe symptoms in six of the nine inattentive items, ADHD inattentive subtype, or in six of the nine hyperactive impulsive items, ADHD hyperactive impulsive subtype, or in six of the nine items in both inattentive and hyperactive impulsive domains, ADHD combined subtype. 2.4.2 age groups. Participants were divided into three groups based on their age. A. 1 to 2 year old group ranging 11 to 35 months. B. 3 to 4 year old group ranging 36 to 59 months. And C. 5 to 6 year old group ranging 60 to 86 months. 2.4.3 Analysis Statistical package for the social sciences, SPSS version 25, was used for statistical analysis. General group comparisons were performed using independent sample t-tests. Correlations between age and ADHD symptoms within research groups were investigated using Pearson's correlation analysis. Group differences in ADHD symptoms were examined using univariate analysis of variance, ANOVA, within each of the specific age group to investigate developmental trajectory in addressing the relation between age and ADHD symptoms, correlational analysis within the SCT were performed without IQ as a covariate. This approach was based on the work of Dennis et al., who have argued that correcting for IQ may obscure developmental vulnerabilities that are due to shared processes in terms of overall brain development resulting in type 2 errors, false negatives. Effect sizes for t-test analysis were calculated with Cohen's D, with 0.2 being small, 0.5 being a medium, and 0.8 being a large effect. Level of significance was set at P is less or equal to 0.05, two-tailed. After analysis were completed, participants with extreme outliers on one of the three SWAN variables, Z greater than three, were identified, and all analysis were rerun without these participants to, act, to assess their influence on the results. When applicable, the influence of the outliers is described in the results section. Three, results. 3.1, ADHD symptomology. Table one shows the mean scores of the SCT group and control group on the SWAN rating scale. 
independent samples t-tests were used to test the differences in mean scores on the SWAN subscales between groups. Children with SCT had significantly more ADHD symptoms in general, and specifically more inattentive ADHD symptoms than controls, with medium effect sizes. For the hyperactive impulsive ADHD symptoms, there was no significant difference in mean scores between children with SCT and controls. 3.2. Karyotypes. To examine whether these increased ADHD symptoms were present in all SCT karyotypes, separate independent samples t-tests were performed for each karyotype to test for mean differences on the SWAN subscales. Children with SCT were compared to their control peers matched on gender, XXX versus XX, XXY versus XY, and XYY versus XY. Descriptives and t-test statistics are given in Table 2. For girls with XXX, parents reported significantly more ADHD symptoms in general, and specifically more inattentive ADHD symptoms compared to control girls with medium to large size to large effect sizes. There was no significant difference with the control girls for hyperactive, impulsive ADHD symptoms. For boys with XXY, parents also reported significantly more inattentive ADHD symptoms compared to control boys with a medium effect size. There were no significant differences with the control boys for hyperactive, impulsive ADHD symptoms and total ADHD symptoms. Finally, for boys with XYY, parents reported significantly more ADHD symptoms in general compared to control boys, with difficulties in both the inattention domain as the hyperactive impulsive domain with large effect sizes. Thus, increased ADHD symptoms were found in all karyotypes with difficulties primarily in the inattention domain. In the XYY group, the ADHD symptoms were more pronounced and included problems in the hyperactive impulsive domain in addition to inattention difficulties. 3.3. Age-related effects. Given the finding that increased ADHD symptoms were present in all children with SCT with only minor karyotype-specific differences, and the fact that all ages were represented equally across karyotypes, we were able to investigate the impact of age on ADHD symptoms in the total SCT group above and beyond karyotype. To examine the developmental trajectory of ADHD symptoms in children with SCT and controls, separate correlation analysis were performed within the SCT and control groups between age and the three SWAN subscales. The results showed a significant correlation between age and inattentive ADHD symptoms in the SCT group, whereas no such relationship existed in the control group. Using the Fisher R to Z transformation, the significance of the difference between the two correlation coefficients was tested and yielded a borderline significant difference in strength of the correlation. Furthermore, in both groups, there was no significant relationship between age and total ADHD symptoms and age and hyperactive impulsive ADHD symptoms. In other words, inattentive ADHD symptoms increased with age for children with SCT, while for controls ADHD symptoms were not related to age and appeared to present relatively similarly across ages. To further identify which specific age groups may drive differences between SCT and controls in terms of cross-sectional age trajectory, participants were divided into three age groups, one to two years, three to four years, five to six years, and separate post hoc ANOVAs were performed within each age group with ADHD symptoms. As dependent variables and research group SCT versus CG as independent variable. In the one to two age old, in the one to two year old age group, univariate ANOVAs for the SWAN subscales indicated significant differences between SCT and controls 
for inattentive ADHD symptoms only, with a large effect size. No significant group differences between SCT and controls were found for total ADHD symptoms or hyperactive impulsive ADHD symptoms. In other words, one to two-year-olds with SCT did not show increased hyperactivity or impulsivity, but showed more inattentiveness as compared to controls. In the three to four-year-old and five to six-year-old groups, univariate ANOVAs for the SWAN subscales indicated significant differences for total ADHD symptoms and inattentive ADHD symptoms with medium effect sizes in the younger group and large effect sizes in the older group. No significant group differences were found for hyperactive impulsive ADHD symptoms indicating that in three to six-year-olds, children with SCT show similar amounts compared to controls. In other words, the three to six-year-old children with SCT did not show increased hyperactivity or impulsivity compared to controls, but showed more ADHD symptoms in general and more inattentive behaviors. 3.4, clinical risk. In addition to average outcomes, we were also interested in how many of the children with SCT had scores above clinical cutoff, indicating the severity of ADHD symptoms and the increased reach for ADHD symptomatology. Based on, cutoff on the cutoff score, the number of children with SCT above cutoff were divided by the total number of SCT participants. Results indicated that 24.0% of the children with SCT showed significant inattentive ADHD symptoms, along with 10.6% of the SCT children having hyperactive and impulsive ADHD symptoms above clinical cutoff. A further examination of the group of children revealed that most of the children were older than five years. Because this SWAN questionnaire contains the 18 DSM-5 diagnostic criteria for ADHD, it was also possible to categorize these children based on the parental report scores into one of three subtypes of ADHD. ADHD inattentive subtype, ADHD hyperactive impulsive subtype, and ADHD combined subtype. A fourth category was included that represented no ADHD. For this sub-analysis, we only examined children with SCT of five years and older. Almost half, 44.8% of the five to six-year-old children met behavioral criteria of ADHD, with 31% predominantly inattentive symptoms and 13.8% presenting both inattentive and hyperactive impulsive symptoms combined. 3.5, additional analysis, ascertainment bias and recruitment site. 3.5.1, ascertainment bias. To examine whether ascertainment bias was relevant to the increased risk for ADHD symptoms, three separate between-subjects ANOVAs were performed with ADHD symptoms as dependent variables and ascertainment bias within the SCT group as independent variable. Because age did not significantly differ between the three groups, it was not included as a covariate in the analysis. There were no significant differences in degree of ADHD symptoms how children enrolled in the study did not appear to affect the degree of ADHD symptoms. 3.5.2, recruitment site. To examine whether recruitment site was relevant in the increased risk for ADHD symptoms in children with SCT, three separate between-subjects ANCOVAs were performed with ADHD symptoms as dependent variables and recruitment site as independent variable. Because age differed significantly between the two groups, i.e. SCT children from the USA are significantly younger, it was included as a covariate in the analysis as well. There were no significant group differences in ADHD symptoms. The country from which the children were recruited and assessed did not appear to affect the degree of ADHD symptoms. Parenting rating of ADHD symptoms were similar on all three subscales in the two research sites total ADHD symptoms, inattention ADHD symptoms, and hyperactive impulsive ADHD symptoms. Four, discussion. This is one of the first case controlled studies investigating the early impact of SCT 
on regulation of thought and behavior as expressed in ADHD symptomology in a large international sample of young children, one to six years old. Type and severity of ADHD symptoms were measured using a sensitive, well-known, and widely used instrument, the SWAN rating scale, which allows for capturing the full range of attentional behaviors that reflect symptoms of ADHD in daily life, not limited to the classification of ADHD as an all-or-nothing phenomenon. The current study showed that on average the level of ADHD symptoms in SCT was higher than in the general population sample in the full one to six year age range. More specifically, children with SCT had more behavioral challenges in the domain of inattention reported by their parents, indicating more difficulties with regulating their attention. Furthermore, behaviors associated with ADHD increased with age, more strongly so in the SCT group, although differences with control peers were already evident for the youngest age group, one to two year olds. From a clinical perspective, 24% of the children with SCT had scores in the clinical range on parent report, indicating significantly elevated levels of ADHD symptoms. Levels of ADHD behaviors were largely similar across karyotypes, although boys with an extra Y chromosome showed more and broader impairments than children with an extra X chromosome. In addition to inattention difficulties, boys with 47XYY also exhibited difficulties with hyperactivity and impulsivity. Ascertainment bias and country of recruitment were not relevant to the increased risk of ADHD symptoms, underlying the robustness of these findings. The most notable finding of this study is that the increased risk for ADHD symptomology previously reported in older children and adults with SCT was already found in one to two year olds with SCT. Previous studies have shown that attentional difficulties are part of the behavioral profile of children with SCT with predominantly inattention behaviors and to a lesser extent hyperactive and impulsive behavior. The current study suggests that these attentional difficulties already exist in very young children with SCT, pointing to significant neurodevelopmental risk from toddlerhood onward. Given the fact that a significant fraction of the genes on the sex chromosomes are involved in brain development, this elevated risk for attentional difficulties may be one of the first signs that the child's genetic makeup has impacted the brain's development and more specifically, the brain areas that are important for self-regulation. The self-regulation problems in this young SCT group corresponds to what has been described in older children, adolescents, and adults with SCT in terms of various and diverse symptoms of psychopathology such as ASD and ADHD. Considering the importance of self-regulation for adaptive functioning, participation in society, and mental health, these early signs of ADHD symptomology may mark, quote, at risk, unquote, developmental pathways within this genetic population. It is important to point out that although differences between children with SCT and controls on average were significant with medium to large effect sizes, only a subgroup of children had scores in the clinical range. Thus, while some parents may already be recognizing some early attentional concerns in their child compared to peers their age. There are also many parents who do not report any or only mild concerns. Another main finding of this study is that ADHD symptoms were more pronounced with increasing age. In children with SCT, older age was associated with higher levels of inattentive ADHD symptoms, whereas in controls, these symptoms presented stable across ages. Looking into the different age groups, the presence of ADHD symptoms was the most pronounced in the oldest age group of children, five to six year olds, with large effect sizes. The result that age was significantly related to attentional self-regulatory difficulties in children with SCT, but not in controls, could reflect increasing problems that may emerge and present more profoundly with age. This relates to what is called the quote, growing into deficit unquote phenomena. As a result of neuroanatomical maturation, the functionality of the brain increases, which is reflected in behavioral opportunities 
and advancing neurocognitive functions in a developing child. The development of neurocognitive functions occurs in a relative stepwise pattern in which the next step is dependent on the succession of previous steps. Early disturbances of the neuroanatomical growth for a substantial part driven by genetic makeup could therefore impact the succession of the upcoming developmental steps. However, the effects of some of these disturbances may only emerge into behavioral difficulties at a later point in time when a developmental task is presented for which the brain is not yet fully equipped. Also, several neurocognitive functions come, quote, online, unquote, at different and later stages of development due to the maturation process of the brain, making it possible that the effect of early disturbances may only become noticeable many years later in development. Albeit cross-sectionally, our results indicate that self-regulation problems as expressed in ADHD symptoms may emerge with increasing age in children with SCT, which stresses the importance of a developmental perspective on neurobehavioral outcome in individuals with SCT. Longitudinal studies are needed to provide further clarity on the developmental trajectories. The current findings contribute to a clearer understanding of the behavioral profile of young children with SCT and specifically show that self-regulatory difficulties with regards to attention are part of the variability and the heterogeneity of the SCT behavioral profile. Studying children with a genetic disposition that can be diagnosed prenatally provides a unique opportunity to examine developmental genetic behavioral pathways implementing a perspective approach that goes beyond describing problematic behavior and instead focuses on identifying early markers of, quote, at-risk, unquote, development, irrespective of outcomes. From a neuropsychological perspective, it's interesting to examine which information processing deficits related to self-regulation might underlie the behavioral profile of children with SCT. Neuroimaging studies consistently show neuroanatomical and functional differences compared to control peers, addressing the relevant research question if and how underlying neurocognitive functions might relate to the behavioral profile of young children with SCT. Earlier studies have already shown that difficulties with executive functions present across the lifespan of individuals with SCT, e.g. school-aged adolescents and adults. Moreover, there is some evidence that executive dysfunction and self-regulation could be linked, with studies showing associations between impaired executive functions and increased externalizing behavior problem symptoms of ADHD and ASD. Investigating the early relations between developing neurocognitive functions and the behavioral profile may help in identifying children with SCT who are prone to developing self-regulatory difficulties and may provide targets for early intervention. Research is also needed to investigate whether the attentional difficulties in SCT are a consequence of problems in other domains, e.g. Social, cognitive, social, or emotional deficits, or whether these difficulties represent a broader impairment in regulatory skills in general. This would be interesting given that preliminary results from the same sample of SCT children showed that the behavioral profile of these children is diverse and heterogeneous, suggesting that regulatory difficulties are present and persistent in multiple developmental domains, e.g. social, emotional, and behavioral. Even though the current study is the first to date that examines the development of a large international cohort of young children with SCT to well-matched control peers, our findings should be interpreted in the light of several limitations. Due to the limited distribution of children with different karyotypes over the separate age groups, specific questions could not be examined. For instance, for example, it might have been interesting to examine whether the development, development of attentional difficulties across ages is similar for different karyotypes. Furthermore, the current study examined cross-sectional differences with regards to age and attentional behaviors. A longitudinal design is needed to add validity to the developmental outcomes found in this study. 
Thirdly, although parents were asked to report on any known diagnosis of ADHD in the family, we did not examine the relation between background genes and the vulnerability for ADHD due to limited sample size and therefore limited power to test this hypothesis. However, now that we have established the increased risk for ADHD in this population, an interesting follow-up question would be whether a part of the increased risk is attributed to a genetic familiar, to a genetic familiar vulnerability. However, this calls for a meticulous design study of background loading in which affected first and second degree family members are identified properly and where genetic factors are related to more developmental domains other than ADHD alone. Lastly, the current study did not examine the effect of early testosterone hormone treatment on the behavioral profile in the SCT subgroup with XXY. Only a randomized and placebo-controlled trial could provide adequate and reliable insight into the effects of testosterone in infants with Kleinfelter, one which is currently underway. The results of this study also have important implications for clinical care. Although the focus of this study was to describe the broad attentional profile of children with SCT, Rather than considering ADHD as an all-or-nothing clinical phenomena, and most children with SCT do not have significant problems in this area, a subgroup of children with SCT are at substantial risk and might meet full diagnostic criteria of ADHD. These results indicate that all professionals working with individuals with SCT should be aware of the broad behavioral profile and provide routine monitoring and screening of attentional regulatory difficulties from an early age on. Following clinical standards with regards to ADHD assessment, e.g. diagnostic interviewing, neuropsychological assessment, and collateral information from school and parents, an early recognition of ADHD symptoms in children with SCT calls for early intervention and treatment. Specifically, Neuropsychological assessment could provide useful information on an individual's strengths and weaknesses and his or her accompanying needs. Early intervention is important because our results show that as compared to children from the general population, ADHD symptoms are found to be more pronounced with increasing age in SCT. No different from children with ADHD without SCT, treatment for children with SCT and a clinical diagnosis of ADHD ought to be multimodal and focused on limiting the impact of the attentional difficulties on development. Above all, psychoeducation and support for parents and preschool with frequent follow-ups should be included in the treatment plan. Although pharmaceutical treatment is often considered part of the treatment plan for ADHD and has been reported to be effective for symptom improvement in older children with SCT and ADHD, careful consideration is needed when decided on implementing medication for a child in the preschool age group. It should include balancing the benefits and risk of medication in the important period in brain maturation of these young children. Furthermore, cultural differences in the use of psychostimulants may also apply. Thus, when considering pharmaceutical treatment, parents should seek out consultation and guidance from a licensed psychiatrist or developmental behavioral pediatrician with experience in complex neurodevelopmental disorders. 5. Conclusion To conclude, in this study it was found that young children with SCT 47XXX, 47XXY, and 47XYY are at increased risk for ADHD symptoms, specifically inattentiveness, and that this risk is already present from toddlerhood onward. The elevated risk is roughly similar across all three karyotypes, with boys with an extra Y chromosome also showing more hyperactive impulsive symptoms compared to controls. Moreover, the results showed that ADH symptoms are higher with increasing age in children with SCT, in line with relevant self-regulation skills coming, quote, online, unquote, over the course of neurodevelopment depending on brain maturation. The current findings suggest that self-regulatory skills, as expressed in symptoms of ADHD, are already impaired in young children with SCT, 
leading to the proposition that neurodevelopmental problems are likely anchored in early brain development of individuals with SCT. Furthermore, these insights give rise to the hypothesis that the differential behavioral problems of this population in later development might be associated to early self-regulatory difficulties. Self-regulation might be a key factor in explaining behavioral difficulties also because of its importance in typical development. Further studies are necessary to examine neurocognitive measures of self-regulation given that different information processing deficits could relate to the behavioral problems associated with SCT. Moreover, studies with a longitudinal approach could provide insight into the developmental trajectories of young children with SCT and investigate how regulatory skills develop in this population as well as its predictive value over time. Nevertheless, these early signs of self-regulatory deficits might serve as an at-risk marker in SCT, allowing the identification of children with at-risk development and guide preventative and early interventions optimizing outcomes of these children. From a clinical perspective, clinicians should be aware of the neurodevelopmental risks with regards to self-regulation in children with SCT and monitor the neurodevelopment of these children, given that a significant portion of these children at this young age are already at clinical risk for elevated ADHD symptoms. Thank you for taking time to listen to one of the first international studies that links common chromosomal differences to increased likelihood of ADHD signs already in toddlerhood. As you just heard, the reason this matters for parents, educators, clinicians, and policymakers is that it calls for much earlier age detection and targeted intervention, as this could have life-changing consequences by allowing not only to limit particular vulnerabilities, but also cultivate special strengths at a time of maximum brain plasticity. If this topic is of interest to you, don't miss next week's exciting episode about autism. The fact is, genomics, screening, and testing are advancing at a blistering pace. It can be hard to keep up, let alone know what to do as a clinician, therapist, educator, or parent when faced with today's increasingly high rate of detection. Fortunately, we're learning more every day, and thanks to amazing people like you, listening, learning, and supporting our cause, I believe the future is bright. If you found this episode useful, I encourage you to share it to help boost awareness. Every share counts. Thanks for listening. Sign up to be notified of next week's exciting episode and have a wonderful day.